Ever wonder what success actually means? How do you get it? And how do you keep it? We all want it, yet sometimes it feels only some of us get to have it. Hi, Teresa and Blair here. We are two badass entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, coaches, and business mentors who have had success, felt success, questioned our own success, and reclaimed it. Let's be real for a hot minute. 2020 has been a roller coaster ride, and many of us have started to wonder if they'll lose the things that made them successful. So we got curious, raw and real, about what success is truly about. Can you put it in a box? How can you get it? Can people take it away, or are you the one with the power? Does it mean the same to all of us, or are we the ones that create it? From PGA golf pros to doctors, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and spiritual mentors. We get together to meet with successful people from around the globe to dissect success through vibrant conversations and interviews. Make sure you click the subscribe button on the App Store because each week we will drop a new episode to bust through the myths around success and dissect its true meaning. Who's ready for the most badass and massive up level in their business? It is back. What's back? Momentum, Bland Teresa's signature six-month business and mentorship accelerator is now open for enrollment. Ten entrepreneurs will have the opportunity to join this exclusive experience that kicks off December 15th. This VIP program includes two-to-one coaching, monthly masterminds, and training sessions, plus unlimited access to get your questions answered in real time. Imagine where you can take your business in the six months that we will work together. Ready to give your business the momentum you desire? Head to TeresaLambertCoaching.com backslash momentum to secure your coveted spot. Welcome back. We have another episode of Dissecting Success. I'm so excited because today with the success scalpel is Malud Cesarelli. I met her over a year ago and our friendship and work friendship, work, work friendship? <laughs> work relationship has blossomed into something beautiful, and I'm so honored she took the time to join us today. Malud Cesarelli is the founder and CEO of Remote Forever, a company that provides training, workshops, and consulting on remote agile operations. She personally consults as a remote work strategist and agile coach. She helps entrepreneurs of distributed con- um, companies to create future-proof, scalable, and agile businesses that empower remote employees to collaborate effectively in people-centric workplaces. This probably sounds very um, very recent because everyone now is in the remote work revolution. Her work has been published in places such as Forbes, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, Inc., and Scrum Alliance, and Shift Up. Wow, she's just so accomplished. She's often referred to as the queen of remote work, and I could not agree more. Malud founded Remote Forever Summit in 2016. It's a yearly conference that was the first of its kind and to this day has remained the largest online summit about remote work and agile and attracts over 10,000 attendees from around the world every year. And we're gonna talk about that a bit later because Malud here, not only is she a friend, she's an avant-garde, she's a pioneer, she's an innovator. And I am so honored that we're able to connect here on Dissecting Success. So Malud, hello, welcome. Hello, and thank you for having me. So let's just dive right in. Here's the scalpel. Let's dissect it. What does success mean to you? Thank you for sending me that question beforehand. So I had some time to think about it. 
I am a person who got introduced to the world of emotions really late in life. I was grown up as a very, very, very logical person. So thinking about this question, I thought, what is success logically and what is success emotionally? So this is what I came up with. I think that success on an emotional level is feeling fulfillment and content. And on a logical level, it's that feeling of always growing and contributing. And like when I think about it, like I thought like success is leveling up in your personality, in your being. As in like I've I've seen some people who feel successful that they finally like have financial freedom and they can retire and they can do basically nothing, but it doesn't last that long. They want to be growing, they want to be contributing when they when they reach that phase in life. So I thought there is a process to success, but there is also these points in time that we call success. So when it comes to that, like, I think to, to make it really simple to me, that would be success is the consequence of stepping or let, let me just rephrase that. Success is the consequence or the sequence of stopping being our old self and starting being the new self, the new being that we want to be. Wow. Stop being our old self and start being our new self. I love that definition of success. And I love that you got there through your way of logical thinking, (laughs) which is amazing. And I love that you shared that because I feel, you know, sometimes we're leaning to one way or the other, but what I am so curious about, um, is how has that transition from the old self to the new self been for you? Oh, it's been many, many phases over the years. So as I said, I grew up very logically. Uh, If you want to know a little bit of my background, like my childhood background, let's do a psychoanalysis here, right? (laughs) So my childhood background is that I was an overachiever kid. I was that person who was winning competitions left and right, whether it was sports or science or anything. I didn't even like make extra effort, but I was winning. And that did not ever mean success to me, ever. The process of going for the next thing was the fulfillment that I was getting. So I never really cared about even gathering my gold medal in, in a, you know, kitty uh, competition or whatever. But that that emotion of, OK, this is done. What is next? That was always driving me. But this has evolved so much throughout the years because obviously life is real and shit happens and lots of things have happened in life so the way that it has helped me is understanding that changing how i do something can take me only so far by changing who i am being it changes my entire perspective it has changed my character so when i accepted and acknowledged and became that new person that was when things started to become a little slower uh, 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 they started to roll a little more more smoothly and they became a little easier to tackle. And it has also put me in, in a mindset of resourcefulness. So, for example, like, I don't remember a single time in my entire life that I was looking for someone to blame. Like this was not part of my upbringing at all. But later in life, I realized that this is where people usually go to. Something goes wrong. And the first question that they go to is whose fault it is, who made it happen? 
So for me, like that be- becoming early on has given me unfair advantages. And this not understanding how emotions actually evolve has also given me an unfair advantage. But later on, I, well, Blair knows this because we've talked about this before in our friendship, but I had to learn how to reconnect with my emotions. So we can explore that a little bit further if you want to as well. Thank you for sharing that, Malut. I feel, well, I certainly can resonate, but I also feel like a lot of our listeners can resonate to, you know, what you were sharing and understanding that, you know, when we start, and I think this is really key, and I want to like draw this out and put this into the emotional context, but when we're starting to be who we really are, you said that everything changes because you realize that how you do things and even changing how you do things can only take you so far. And I find there's so much power in that, right? Like who we are being every single day through every single thing we do determines the quality of what goes out and the quality of what comes in. So in terms of receiving and giving and and having this, you know, building building a wealth and, and experience abundance in our life, that's really the center point of it. It requires you to be who you really are in order for everything else to fall into place. And emotionally, and I would love to tie that in there, I have found that that was huge because I also, like I grew up with the, the you know, early bird catches the worm mentality. If you want to succeed, you got to work hard, keep your emotions at the doorstep. Like, you know, so I've always been somebody who's like emotions, like they have no place, like in, you know, my career and my work. But what I realized is that like, it was holding me back. Right. So tell me how you're navigating being who you are, doing all that you do, And allowing yourself to be the emotional being that we all are because we're human beings. Oh, that's such a wonderful question. That actually, while you were talking about this, it reminded me of a conversation I had just a couple of days ago with my husband. He was checking in with me emotionally. He said, how are you doing, honey? I said, I'm doing fine. And he said, but how are you really doing about this thing that happened in your business? I'm like, I think I'm handling it. I'm doing well. And then he goes, you know, I know that you sometimes post process your emotions. I don't want you to wait for two weeks until you process it. You have to like, you know, do it now. I'm like, I think I've done that. So I think at right now, at this point in life, I feel that I am at a point that I can logically remind myself to process my emotions. While in the past, it was a lot more passive. So I would shove them aside and I would wait until they kicked in. And oftentimes, especially for negative events in life, it was it was much, much later. Like I remember my sister's uh, best friend, she killed herself when they were 18. I was older and this, this friend of hers was like a third sister to us so she was always in our house and she was always like communicating with us and i, I loved her just like i loved my sister and I, I had already moved out when this happened and i heard the news i went to the funeral i didn't feel a thing i was just like observing the, the what was happening around and it was about two months later 
that I was sobbing. I could not control my my tears. And this this was really, really painful. I was already in my 20s when this happened. So when I told you I started reconnecting with emotions really late in life, it was really, really late in life. I was already like in my early 20s. But what has happened afterwards is that like I've I've tried to get closer and closer and closer to put names and words on those emotions. And I, I actually found a hack as well on the way. I share it with you. For those of you who might have the similar challenge of not being able to name your emotion and therefore how do you know how to feel it if you can't name it, right? So my hack is I am I am a very uh, imaginative person and my imaginations are usually full of colors, full of scents and sounds. So I start describing the scene that I'm feeling. So instead of saying, you know, I'm feeling sad, if sad is not the right word, I would describe the scenery. I would say, you know, I see an ocean and the waves are really high and it sounds like the waves are clashing against each other. And I hear the birds like running, like the seagulls are running and I hear them and their sound. So by, by describing that scene, at least I'm able to talk about it. And usually people who hear it, they may be able to help me label that emotion. And even if they don't, they at least understand me. And well, we all know that one of the highest needs of human beings is feeling understood, right? Oof, that's so good. First of all, thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I'm so sorry for that loss. You know, the emotions that come with losing someone that you care about and that you love are like the most painful undescribable feelings unless you've gone through them you don't really understand and the fact that you know it hit you two two months later is amazing that it hit you because some people don't even let those um, you know feelings or emotions process and they show up years later in other ways or you know they come out as addiction or mental health you know struggles and, you know, it's, it's really interesting that you have this technique on how to identify the feeling and put a name on it. What happens once you put that a name on it? Like, how do you move through it? Well, here's the thing. I've learned to trust. I've grown up with having that problem of trusting people, but I have learned to trust. And there are very few people that I trust in the world. Blair, you're one of them. But when, when this happens is I go to those people that I trust and I say, I feel something and I need to explore it. Can you help me? Like I literally ask for help. And usually it's my husband because he is the first person in my life who actually helps me to develop this technique and be able to talk about it. But it's usually me going to someone that I trust and just asking for help and allowing them to listen to me talk and helping me by asking questions to explore those emotions. That's great. Asking for help is so important. And I think, you know, people feel like a loss of pride when they have to ask for help, but that's not the case. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Like it's very brave. It sure is. It's very brave to ask for help. And we're not meant to do this alone. Like, you know, we're not meant to be in our own personal silo. That's what, you know, community is unity, like uniting, coming together, 
And I think that's great that you, you know, you have your husband and that you have people you trust. Um, you know, something we talked about at the beginning of the interview was um, your Remote Forever Summit. And before we started recording, we started talking about what the future had, had in store for it. You know, because you are an innovator and you're able to see a need before the rest of the world, you know, like the Remote Forever Summit, you were the first of its kind, the biggest of its kind. Um, you know, but now everyone's on Zoom, everyone's on video, everyone's at, uh, you know, virtual conferences. So tell us, what is the, what does the future have in store for remote forever? So I've been trying to answer that for several months, and it was only in August of 2021 that it hit me, what was coming next. And it's, it's may not come as a surprise to you guys, because you've been exploring in this space for a while, but what I think people need is human connection like that true connection that we all need to feel that possibilities of being together, like that togetherness that was taken away in 2020 with the pandemic. We started connecting, well, you and I met online. We have never met each other in person, right? But I, I just said that you are one of the people I trust the most in this world. How is that possible? Like, how could we build such a connection across continents over the internet it's possible, right? And I know how to do this. And because of like all the things that we shared about, about my unique upbringing and my unique abilities to be able to analyze emotions, logic, and see like different types of people, different ways that people process all of these. I think what I have in store is, the, is an experience that would allow people to actually build those very deep, intimate connections with each other through a conference that is different from normal conferences that we've seen in the last couple of years. I call it a breakthrough experience. I want to show people that it's not only about working remotely, but actually connecting remotely. Oh, powerful Malut. Oh, so good. And I like, you know, every word is like music to my ears because I agree. I think that everybody at this point in time is craving that togetherness that you get and that feeling that you get from in-person events. There is something really special when people are gathering in person and there is a different focus and there is a different connection that you feel and you know, one of the things that's so, so interesting is that we're all like Zoom pals, I guess, the three of us, because Blair and I have known each other previous to um, us connecting and starting the podcast and, and starting our like group program momentum that's coming up again. And, and like, but we literally, our friendship and our business partnership started through this pandemic and through Zoom. And like, I think in all of 2020, even though we live 20 minutes from each other, I think we saw each other two or maybe three times in that entire year. Um, that included a meeting pre-pandemic <laughs> in January sometimes. So I love that, Malud. I love that you are doing that. So tell me, you've been, obviously these were virtual before, and now you're planning this. What's going through your mind as you're heading into planning something that is going to be human to human, real life, touchable person versus our beloved Zoom screen? 
That's a very good one. So I have explored a lot of different technology to see if we're ready to experience, you know, that next level that technology brings to us. Unfortunately, at the time that we're recording this in 2021, we're not there yet. Virtual reality is not advanced enough to give us that experience. So we have to tap into our internal being, that is how we actually operate as human beings across the screens. So right now we are used to not seeing that we're wearing yoga pants, you know, colorful yoga pants, because we only see the top part of each other. Some people have no idea how tall their colleagues are because their colleagues were hired during the pandemic. So what is going through my mind is that there is going to be a lot of resistance to accept this idea of remote working still, especially after the vaccine rollouts in a lot of countries, many leaders are calling their employees back to the office because they don't want to accept the reality. And that has been true for our entire history. You know, people didn't want to install phones in their homes when phones became ubiquitous, but they had no way of escaping that. They couldn't continue to use Telegram anymore. Everybody was using telephones at some point. And this, this is like the technology coming into our lives and finding its way into our lives. Social media is another example. Like some people were like, I am never going to use social media. That was like back when it was, uh, what's it called? The, the word space comes to mind. What was it called? The, the social MySpace. media with the word space? My, there MySpace. you go, thank you. I never installed MySpace. So yeah, there was MySpace, there was Facebook, there was Orkut. I remember that, like there was so, there was so much resistance towards it. But now like there is Instagram and almost everyone you know is on Instagram. Almost everyone you know has tried TikTok. It's very interesting to see how technology finds its way to our lives. So what I'm thinking is despite all the resistance that is happening in corporations, in small businesses, and that craving for getting that connection back because we assume, and this assumption is wrong, we assume that collaboration is absolutely better if they can see each other and touch each other and smell each other. What I want to show people is that you don't actually need to be able to smell your colleague to connect with them. Like your heart can connect to someone else's heart across the world without being able to know how they smell like. And if you're really curious, you can ask them to send you a t-shirt that they have worn or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's getting gross a little bit. Balloon! Oh my God, you have me howling. Okay, so we're recording this and because of the time difference, we're in Canada, she's in Sweden. It's 7 a.m. for me and Teresa. I'm howling at my desk here on mute. Like, please send me your dirty socks. I wanna know what you smell like. I've thought about this a lot, Blur. I've thought about like, what is it that we can't experience remotely? What is that, that aspect of our togetherness that we can't experience? A lot of people say you can't see like uh, visual cues of people, the way that they communicate, their body language. Like you can do that. You can see them. You can be standing and have like full on cameras and see each other. That's not the solution though. But the only aspect that I figured we still can't really communicate, that was the smell. And that was a funny way of saying you, you actually don't need to be in person. So like we need to create like a smellogram, like an app where you can like put your smell in. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. I you smell know, good. I smell good, Teresa. I love that you said that, Malut. And the funny thing here is I will tell you this really funny story or something about me that probably very, very few people know is that 
I used to be a hotel general manager and I would hire a lot of people. And it was, of course, always in person because in hospitality and in, in the hotel industry, I mean, you know, I haven't gone to a virtual hotel yet. Maybe one day <laughs> it's actually going to happen. Who knows? But there was always this thing with smells. And I actually find that sometimes, like, and they say, right, before the person opens their mouth, you by scent have already decided if you are connecting with them or not, which is crazy. Okay, this is crazy. But I remember that certain interviews people had, I don't know what it was, like certain perfumes or like certain creams that reminded me of stuff. And it was really like, and, and I would be like so distracted in the process. And I was like, surely I can't let their scent determine whether they're going to get that job, right? But it's interesting because you take, when you take that away, you really get to know people very differently. And it's almost like you have to, you know, you ask more thorough questions. You actually try and connect differently. And I think when it comes to remote work, surely that is such a key piece because when you're hiring people virtually and you're creating these remote teams, there's got to be an extra level of effort to get to know that person on the other side of the screen because you don't know what they smell like. You don't know what yoga pants their color is and if you like the color of their yoga pants, right? Like it's just some fun things, but all these little pieces tie in. And so what I've actually found is that it makes us be more curious about the other person and almost more open-minded in terms of who they are and for people that may be introverts that aren't so outgoing that that you know aren't so comfortable we get to to get to know them on such a different level anyways this just came through however that was a good story two things came to my mind as i listened to you the first one was a business idea that i had they wrote it down in my business idea book which is kind of like ideas that i can't implement so if any of you guys listening to this want to go ahead and implement this idea be my guest the idea was uh brain sensors like like some like a headband that you can wear you know that there are headbands nowadays that can help your brain to calm down when you meditate and they listen to the to the waves from your brain i'm also a nerd disclaimer yeah, I do have a background in software engineering and AI, so I, I do understand that world a little bit. So there are these headbands right now that help with meditation and calm, and there are those that help you when you listen to music, for example, to give you to give your body waves so that you can feel the music a little better and a little more in your entire body. So my idea related to the sense that we were just talking about was one of those headbands that would have the smell codified in terms of neural waves so that your brain can actually feel the smell and i thought wouldn't that be awesome to be able to buy perfume that way they go to a perfume store online and you choose the perfume and you're wearing the headset and you actually can feel the smell of the perfume before you purchase it that would be a really cool cool thing to do that's awesome yeah See? Yeah, but the second thing that came to my mind was probably more relevant to the conversation, and that was the idea of inclusion. When we when we have that craving to connect with people, 
and you you talked about like maybe some people are more introverted one of the main uh one of the main parts of the operations consulting work that i do is to help people to create inclusive cultures in their remote organizations nowadays when when you can hire from any country Oftentimes, these people did not have English as their first language, but English is usually the official language of the company. And it creates a really big barrier to entry for people who, who may have like a thick accent from having English as a third language, fourth language. And introversion, extroversion is one aspect. Language is another one. There are many different areas that we need to be proactively inviting people to the table. And one of the things that I do is teach people how to design their processes, how to design their organizational culture so that these things happen naturally and they don't have to like make an extra effort to say, hey, Teresa, what do you think about this idea that we're discussing? But rather the process itself is driving to extract everyone's idea equally. Malud for president of the world. Oh. You, so you're like beyond a remote work queen. Like you're just, you're such a forward thinker. Like any organization to work with you is just so lucky. Like I just, everything you say to me is just so, could be revolutionary. And the way you think is like five steps ahead of everyone else. So I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. If someone wants to work with you, like, so you work, you know, companies bring you in as a coach or they, you know, whatever it might be, like, what, how can they get a hold of you? What is, what, it, what are you looking for? What type of clients do you want? That's a good one. So right now I mostly work with organizations that are growing. So they usually find that growth pain and they're like, oh my God, what do we do? Let's bring a remote work co coach or a remote work consultant to help us with this growth pain. And sometimes they're, they're in denial. They're like, oh, we just need to be agile and responsive. But we also have people all around the world, so let's work with Malud. My ideal client is a client that actually realizes they are going to have growth pain before they, they are in that stage. And that would be smaller businesses with a small team. Usually uh, entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, for example, if you're starting to have a team and your team is remote, obviously, because that's how we work nowadays, it's very rare to find a small team that all that are all in the same city that all go to go to the same office. That is the phase where you need to start thinking about creating processes that are sustainable, that are responsive, aka are agile, and that you also have your operations set up for scaling remotely. If you start that early, the cost is so much lower, but the impact is so much larger. You can grow much, much faster than the competition. When companies hire me right now, uh, th that is the most common case. That is like a company has grown from 200 to 400 people. And they're like, we, we are growing so fast. We don't know how to control this. We're creating chaos. So they have like a lot of different tools. Maybe you said Zoom, right? So I've had clients that they wanted to have an interview with a new candidate and the candidate was waiting in Zoom, but the interviewer was waiting in Microsoft Teams and they were pissed off, frustrated that the candidate was not showing up. Like the, in the you know, the tool mess up, the tool chaos is one thing, the process chaos is, is another. Before this interview, you asked me, can you send me my your bio? And I just said, sure, here it is, right? It, 
that that's a process that has happened so many times like that question i have gotten it so many times that i have a process for it it's automatic and that's what i teach companies and entrepreneurs to to have like that thinking of templatizing everything making sure that your processes are designed for scaling that's the kind of work that i do i also do workshops and that means when you want to make a decision about a new product, for example, or developing a new service, I usually go in, I design a workshop, a collaborative workshop. Oftentimes, people, when thinking about workshops, they think it means people come to the Zoom room or to a physical room and they spend an entire day together or several hours together and they brainstorm, they prioritize, they collaborate and they make a decision. The way I design workshops are a little bit differently. As Blair said, I'm usually a few steps ahead of the game. I already predict that they're going to be frustrated to be seated in front of their square screen and staring at that square for three hours or eight hours a day. So I break it up. I make sure that I understand the outcome that we're expecting, the purpose of why we're inviting people to this collaboration. And I've designed the majority of the process to be done asynchronously so that people can just do the contribution to the process to the product that is going to be created at their own time so it can take a little longer than one day but the result is usually so much better and the meeting time the zoom meeting time is usually a lot shorter than eight hours which means people are happier to contribute because they do that in their own time and when they come together it's to the point, effective, and really fun. Oh, Malud, so many golden, golden nuggets there that you shared. If anybody's out there listening, make sure that you find Malud. Malud, where should they go? What's the best place to connect with you before we sort of start wrapping up this interview? I want to make sure that they know where to go. You can go to my website, that's remoteforever.com. You can find me on social media, on Instagram, that's at remoteforever, on Twitter, that's at remoteforever, on Facebook, that's remoteforever. And on LinkedIn, I also have a Remote Forever page, but I often post as myself. So just search for my name and I usually accept connections from anyone because I like networking online and connecting with people from all around the world. I love it. And we'll make sure that we drop all those links in the show notes as well. And you um, took care of Blair's number one suggestion when you first set up your social media, which is to always use the same name, the same username. I learned so much from Blair. See, you may not have known her back then, but you would get a big A plus. <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. If you'll notice, none of my That's handles right. have the same name, but what are you going to do, right? Yeah, well, that that is that. So Malut, um, this was so incredible. And I know we could chat with you forever, but I want to wrap this up with a final question for you to leave our amazing listeners with. So can you tell us, um, what's one piece of advice that you would give someone that's on their path to success and maybe success around remote work and, and building remote teams, if you like, as we're wrapping this up? That's a good question too. Final advice. So one thing that I wanna remind everyone of is be kind to yourself because the path to success is bumpy and you're gonna get hurt, you're gonna fail and failures is the key to success, right? 
But at the same time, as you're being kind to yourself, do not negotiate with the consistency that you need to apply on a daily basis. That's also something I learned from Blair. That is, be consistent. If you want to, you know, have your social media succeed, post every day and take it easy. Like, don't try to overcomplicate processes. My, my goal, my motto, when it comes to remote working and remote processes, like you heard me say the word process so many times, but what I really, really do, what is my unique talent is simplification of processes. Fewer tools, fewer processes, and really, really, really simple stuff. So when I thought, uh, when we started this conversation, we talked about the being versus the doing. So that would be how I would like to wrap up this advice. And that is when you want to think about your success, close your eyes and imagine what is it that you really want? What is that feeling that you want to feel? What is that thing you want to have in your hands? What is that thing you want to give to someone else? Close your eyes and just really vividly imagine it. The pictures, the emotions, the sense. And once you have that, think about not what should I do or what do I need to do, but rather who do I need to be? Who am I becoming? And help yourself to become that person. If you get into the habit of consistently visualizing it on a daily basis, the entire universe is going to help you to actually get there. You're gonna have creative ideas that you wouldn't have if you ask yourself, what do I need to do today? Wow, 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 wow. Malud, thank you so, so much. What a great way to finish off this incredible episode. Remember, be kind to yourself, stay consistent, keep it simple. And whatever you do, make sure you use your imagination to create this vivid vision of what success is going to look like for you and the person you've got to become to make it happen. So with that, this is a wrap for another incredible episode of Dissecting Success. Malud, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone listening. Peace out. That's a wrap for another episode of Dissecting Success. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe to Blair Kaplan Venables and Teresa Lambert's podcast, Dissecting Success on the App Store. And follow us on Instagram at Teresa Lambert Coaching and Blair from Blairland to stay up to date on our latest episodes, badass offers, and more.